Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to another episode of Devotional, a spiritual resource for daily living. We are still at the beginning of a brand new series focusing on prayer, specifically on how to heal and revive our prayer lives. Thus, this new series is entitled Pray ER, and this is episode two. So, we are not walking today. I already did my share of running. I was at uh, our church school this morning playing soccer with the kids and I got two rounds of it. So I got my good exercise. I've been able to fight the fight of cholesterol with two good soccer games and it was good for me. So anyways, uh, my wife is out with the girls doing some shopping. So I thought I'd take advantage of the time. Um, But like I said on the first episode, I'm not about to make my office into this soundproof environment. Uh, I have the window open to get some fresh air. We have a little bit of an Indian summer right now, uh, October 17th from Michigan. This is uh, a treat. So you may hear a little bit of the traffic outside, some wind uh, rustling through the leaves. And that's okay. You may even hear my wife with my little girls uh, coming in. You definitely won't miss that you will know when my girls have arrived. But anyways, uh, we're going to continue in this second episode on emergency room prayer, how to take our prayers into an emergency room. And of course, that emergency room is the Bible, learning how and what Jesus has to say and the rest of the Bible has to say about prayer. Last episode, we were kind of caught off guard, certainly caught me off guard in trying to put together a series on prayer and realizing that if we were to ask Jesus, how do we pray? He wouldn't tell us, do this, do this, do this. The first thing out of his mouth is don't. In the first episode, we spoke uh, quite at length as to why we are prone to do the very things he says don't. And in this case, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 5, don't pray like a hypocrite. And of course, the Greeks, that, that word was not loaded like it is for us. It wasn't necessarily a negative thing. For the Greeks, it was just the, their word for actor. They act. They use the word we have to, for today for uh, movie actors, people that work in theater. That's the word that uh, this Greek word was used for. Those that pretended to be someone they were not. And so for us, of course, the, the meaning is much more, it's out of the context of the movies, it's out of the context of the theater. It's about individuals that cannot seem to be able to be themselves in real life. And what Jesus is saying is, when you pray, don't do that. A prayer is the, the, the most intimate thing a human being can experience with God. More than, than even the Bible. There are individuals that don't believe in God at all. They're, they're full-flown uh, atheists. And yet they teach courses on the Bible. They read it. They study it as if they were reading Shakespeare or some other works of ancient literature. But they, they, they are not driven by a desire to have a relationship, a greater understanding of the God revealed in the pages of the Bible. Prayer, on the other hand, is something that they will never partake of. They will never feel their desire or longing for prayer. Thus, prayer becomes that connecting link. It would lead us to study the Bible. It would lead us to search for God in the scriptures. Prayer does that. But God says, Jesus says, 
don't don't approach me as an actor pretending to be something you're not and last week we we hammered it right we we, we nailed it when we said it's shame shame that leads us to put masks on if you weren't able to listen to that episode i encourage you to read it uh, to sorry to listen to it and uh as we uh take now a, a closer look at this word actor um i mentioned briefly in passing how this beginning of how to, how to pray with this don't why would jesus begin with the don'ts before the do's reminded me of the ten commandments in the Ten Commandments, God also begins with, you shall not have other gods before me, you shall not make any graven images to bow down to them, you shall not take my name in vain. Um, and actually, there's a sandwich there, because it begins with those three don'ts, and then on the fourth commandment, is the first one that has a positive, it's a positive command, which says, remember. The fifth one also begins with a positive word, and says, honor, honor your mom and dad. And then God switches back to, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. And he continues all the way down. So with, with don'ts. So it's like a sandwich of no's. Begins with no's, ends with no's. And in the middle is where you have yeses. The no's, the, the don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. On both ends, protect the two yeses in the middle. And the two commandments in the middle remember who made you remember god and by remembering this is is an act of faith you know to keep sabbath holy the sabbath is about remembering who made us where we've come from and who whom we should be seeking to have a relationship with that's sabbath and god says remember he could have said you shall not forget but he chose intentionally to put it in the positive the two center ones are all about relationship. Remember and honor. Honor your father and mother. That the family relationship is, is compared to the divine human relationship. And God is trying to protect this relationship with no's. And the same, in the same way, Jesus is trying to protect the relationship that is supposed to take place through prayer with no's. And what God wants us to see, I mean, we talked about this last week, but I think it's, it's powerful enough to repeat it once again, is God is wanting you to come as you are. It's us, the ones that are reluctant to do that. We are distrustful that if I come as I am, he might reject me. Um, we talked about the, the phenomenon of a social media, how we portray what we want to be perceived of. I told my church recently in a, in a message that I gave that, you know, I, I'll post my 15 bean soup, and I did. <laughs> uh, I made 15 beans. We just bought this um, pressure cooker called Instant Pot or Instapot, something like that. And uh, one of our members in, in our church, Corey, was talking very, you know, enthused about it. And my wife got enthused about it. And, and I, I went to Amazon enthused and, and purchased it. And so I decided to make 15 beans, uh, 15 bean soup out of it. It's good. I mean, I, I, I took pictures of the beans before they were cooked, and I was going to take a, a picture of the soup after they were made. I never got to take the picture of the soup after it got made. My girls devoured it. So did my wife, and of course, so did I. So I only have the pictures of the raw beans inside the the, the pot. Um, but um, I would not have been so um, willing to post if I burnt the beans, right? 
if I make a meal and I burn it or it doesn't come out right, the, the cake, you know, flattens out or it comes out like a brick, I'm not going to post that on Facebook. I'm not going to post when uh, my little girl is and, and I are having a, a, a disagreement, right? We're not going to post when in a marriage there's fights. We don't post the things that make up the reality of our lives. So when we have social phenomena, what we are saying many times, what we are portraying are layers. Layers of what we would like to be known for or seen, but it's not our reality. And why do we do that? Because we don't want people to think that we are somehow deficient. We are somehow less than. We want to be valued. We want to be thought of and respected. Well, God already does that. God already loves and cares for us as is because he sees and knows us for who we really are, his children. That's why the no's in the Ten Commandments are at the beginning and at the ending, protecting us from idols um, of, of a spiritual nature and protecting us from the other uh, the, the effects of those idols in real life. Um, when I worship gold, um, it will manifest itself as me being selfish and greedy, cutthroat, etc. Those, those are clear characteristics that will prevent me from having relationships. It, so what, what God wants to do is protect our hearts so that we are able, we are restored, we are healed and, and empowered to have a real, honest, transparent relationship with God. So when Jesus says, don't be an actor, he is telling us, if you need to make sure that your attitude does not reflect one of someone clinging to idols. How can Jesus be saying all of that, Pastor? He simply says, don't be a hypocrite. Well, what makes someone a hypocrite? What makes someone an actor? There's a principle in the Bible. The principle in the Bible is this. You become what you worship. Whoever or whatever you worship, you become that. One of the verses in the Bible uh, is, is written by the Apostle Paul says this, By beholding, you become changed. And beholding, you know, this is the King James Version, beholding um, is just, it's not, you cannot simply say by looking. Beholding carries a lot more intensity, a lot more focus, a lot more investment in whatever you are beholding. So when Paul says, by beholding, you become changed, it is the element of being focused and drawn and consumed. My imagination is gravitating towards whatever it is I am beholding continually. So whatever I worship, the attributes of whatever it is that I am focusing and investing in myself intellectually, emotionally, and yes, even spiritually, will begin to change me into that very same thing. Now I'm going to read to you some, some verses, uh, actually just one for the sake of time, uh, out of Revelation chapter 9, verse 20, but it's, there's, they're all throughout the Old Testament. And the book of Revelation borrows heavily from the Old Testament. And I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 9, verse 20, which says that humanity, um, as they're experiencing the seven last plagues, are not repenting from their evil works, from worshiping demons and worshiping idols made of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. Idols are hypocrites. 
idols, but they, but their very essence are these images that portray, you know, you, you can put all the muscles you want in a statue. It will not be able to even pick itself up if it falls. You can put all the beauty in a statue, but it, it's not real. You know, a, a bird comes and, you know, does <laughs> what birds do, and there goes the beauty. Or if it falls, if it totters, if someone can throw a rock and boom, there goes the nose. Um, it's, it's a fragile thing. It is a non living thing it has no power to see you hear you or walk with you those are idols idols promise something they can't deliver idols pretend to be something they are really not when in the old in the old testament you would have god warning the israelites not to imitate the worship of the people the nations around them there there are gods they didn't have like the god of heroin right they didn't have those they were not worshiping those things yet the idols that they were worshiping were very destructive to their society to their way of relating to each other because they were dependent upon gods for rain for example most of them were agricultural societies so a rain god would be a very key god to have it'd be good to have a couple of them you know the god of rain the god of thunder the god of clouds um, so that you would have multiple deities in case one got angry at you you still had the other ones to kind of go to well when they would make these figurines and statues and shapes these images of gold or, or um, wood or stone and bow down to it and cry out to it there was nothing there they were praying to a stone that cannot see, hear, or walk. Yet, to them, this stone was one of the biggest realities in their world. In their worldview, this was the most real thing that they could do. How do we solve the problem of their drought? We go and bow down and sacrifice and lacerate ourselves and maybe bring our children and place our children in the hands of Moloch, this, this uh, Old Testament God that really does exist. And uh, it consisted of the of a metal a casting of a of a bull with human body with the hand stretched out in front, and it was hollow so that from the back you could put fire inside of it, make it you know super hot, and then people would put their babies and throw their babies on top. That is degenerative, that is destructive, that is anti-relationship. Well, I should qualify it. It is definitely relationship, re relational. It is a dysfunctional relationship of exploitation, abuse, and dependence. The, the, the idols were major hypocrites. They pretended to be something they are not. And if you're worshiping idols, by beholding, you become changed. So Jesus, when he gives this admonition to not be as the hypocrites when praying he is addressing a core issue of idolatry idols make us fake i'm, I'm reading about this a big issue now in hollywood about a producer that for years exploited upcoming actresses and the allegations is that he abused many of them i mean 
some major actresses, now actresses that have a lot of clout and power in Hollywood, are finally coming out and saying that, yes, this gentleman uh, approached them inappropriately or behaved inappropriately <clears throat> towards them. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so now the, the company that was part of his making um, has um, let him go. I just read recently that his wife is letting him go. He's probably going, the, the news are speculating that he's going to Arizona to a sex addict rehab center that is in Arizona um, to try to seek for help. What was he worshiping? You shall not commit adultery. Yes, that's definitely there. You shall not covet. Yes, that's definitely there. You shall have no other gods before me. There was something in that man's heart that on the, on the surface, the people that would see him, he was a, a tremendously talented individual that could see talent in individuals, in, in actors, and can produce films that generated you know, profitable returns. But he, that's not who he really was. He became what he worshipped. And he worshipped, I mean, you can you cannot say that he had idols like in the Old Testament, but he worshipped sex, pleasure, power. And those are the falsities of those, wor those, those idols. They never deliver. No matter how much you sacrifice of your integrity, of your ethics, of your professionalism, to try to attain power, to try to attain pleasure, satisfaction, it becomes a never-ending cycle of disappointment. Just like asking a piece of stone for rain, it will never happen. So what Jesus is saying is, this is self-destructive. Being an actor is self-destructive. Prayer is part of the gospel. Prayer is part of grace. Prayer is part of how God seeks to save us. Prayer begins to uh, allow God, it, it, it opens us up into a dialogue with God in which God begins to search our hearts and begins to reveal the idols in our hearts. There is a, a passage that I shared with people a couple of nights ago. Um, I'm doing a series on the book of Revelation and I told them about a passage that I found when I read through the Bible for myself on my own for the first time. It's Psalms 139 verse 23 and 24 it says it's a prayer and i encourage you to incur incorporate this into how you pray sometimes we don't know what to say and for me the bible is the emergency room for our prayers it gives us material and ideas and thoughts and even words that we can incorporate because we can certainly resonate with these words psalms 139 23 and 24 says search me O god and know my heart try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way see if there be any ways that are hurtful hurtful to me because hurting people hurt people this gentleman that did all these horrible things um i mean we can certainly judge and say this is heinous you know it should never have happened and he should be prosecuted if he actually did if he has done those things which it appears that he has he should pay for those those things, for the behaviors that he's done. But if I were to ask that gentleman about his childhood, about his upbringing, chances are he's been hurt. Hurting people hurt people. And David is saying, see if there any hurtful way in me. But you do the searching, God. 
You do the trying of my thoughts, my heart, what other people do not see. See, this, you cannot be an actor and pray these words. An actor doesn't want God searching anything beyond, you know, Lord, don't even go beyond my makeup. I don't want you to see the pimple that I'm using the makeup to hide. Don't, I don't want you to see the scar in my face. I don't want you to see the, the bald spot, right? Um, you may not know or see me. Maybe you have seen the picture from the podcast. But I won't have too much, <laughs> too much hair anymore. But I remember when I started losing it, I made a promise to myself that I would not do a comb over, that I would not, you know, let the hair on the side grow really long and then comb it over, because I, I'd seen what happens when the wind blows. I've seen what happens when it rains; it just falls apart. And I mean, there are men that do that, and, and that's fine. That's their choices, their prerogative. For for me, I didn't want that. I, I, I would, I thought, I, I, in my mind, it was, it's going to be more embarrassing for people to think that I had hair and then a gust of wind, you know, blows and there it is. I don't. Now, that's, that's a simple thing. And I think you say, wow, that's very realistic. How well adjusted Ariel was before he was a pastor. No, he was pride. I'd much rather just, you know, buzz it off because I was proud. I, I did not want people embarrassing me. So it's not, you know, something that, it's commendable. I'm just using it as an illustration of what happens when you try to cover things up that aren't really there. It's only a matter of time before what is obvious to us becomes obvious to others. And sometimes people that... <laughs> I do remember that there was a time that I actually was thinking that because I was taking these supplements and stuff, my hair was coming back. That was that was me in denial in front of the mirror. My hair was definitely going and going fast. Well, in our lives, we may be the only ones that believe things about ourselves that are not really true. Maybe we are believing things about who we are that are not really true. And maybe we're the only ones believing that. And maybe our family members are telling us, you are not who you say you are or you portray yourself to be. Maybe we should listen to when people close to us in love tell us those things. Because chances are they see things that we don't see ourselves. And this prayer about being searched is about a human being that is going to be taking a courageous journey or starting a courageous journey of not being analyzed by a, a psycho, a psychologist or a counselor. Um, not that those things are, are bad in themselves, but I'm talking about our spiritual walk. It takes courage to tell the living God, you start searching me. Because in love, he will begin to, and he was, he's gentle. There's a psalm that says, Psalms 42 verse 2 that says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And I think that that is something that as I pray, uh, the fear begins to fade out. The fear begins to be exchanged for the reality. The God that is searching me is not searching to hurt me. He is searching for the things that are hurting me already. And what he wants to do is lead me in the way everlasting. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll conclude the second part on focusing as to why Jesus warned us so vehemently against praying as a hypocrite.
There are passages and stories in the Old Testament that, as a child, I remember very well, and I really enjoy to see God coming through. And uh, there's one story in Daniel chapter 6, in which Daniel now is old, he's probably in his 80s, and he has seen so much in his life. He's no longer in the Babylonian Empire. He's seen the prophecies that God had given about Babylon, that he would be uh, replaced, conquered by a lesser, inferior king, the kingdom to take place. And God has seen, Daniel has seen God faithful and come through for him so many times. And at the very end, this chapter focuses on an issue, prayer. Daniel prays three times a day. He is so committed to praying. And we have to look at it in the context of why. Daniel certainly was not doing this because it was just habit. It was, well, I got to do my prayers today. Uh, Daniel lived in what used to be Babylon and now was Medo-Persia, both pagan kingdoms. It, by God's grace, he, had, he was left in a very high um, position within the kingdom. A lot of responsibilities. And with a lot of responsibilities in a secular setting, in any human setting, and I'm going to say even in church, because there's humans, isn't it inevitable to have the elements that are human? Nepotism, politics, manipulations, etc. So definitely in a secular setting, you would have those things. And Daniel knew that he was not in, in friendly territory. He never would be. Not on this earth. The reason he prayed was not because he was such a nice person. He prayed because he realized without God, he could not go one day without him. He, he prayed like David prayed in Psalms 42, two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I don't know how often you drink water throughout the day. Hopefully it's more than one. Um, if When they, we did the series on the uh, secrets, the path to uh, live happily by Jesus, I share with you a story about not drinking water. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm, hope, I'm hoping you drank water today. We get thirsty, not just at the very beginning of the day or at the very end, but all throughout the day we ought to be drinking. And so for Daniel, his soul thirsted for God throughout the day, so he would go. And how did he satisfy that thirst? Prayer. Three times throughout the day he felt drained, he felt pressured, he felt afraid. And in this story in Daniel chapter 6, the people got jealous that he had been placed in such a high position being a foreigner. So they're scheming, trying to figure out how to catch him. And how they're going to catch him? His prayer life. It's an amazing story. I encourage you to read Daniel chapter 6. And the, the king is tricked into creating a law that for 30 days no one could pray except to the king. They appealed to his pride, to his grandiose you know, persona, and the king fell for it. So he makes a law that for 30 days, no one could pray except to him. And if anyone prayed to any other God, they would be thrown into this cave, this hole that had lions. So Daniel sees the law. It gets signed. It gets announced. It's being promulgated. And what does Daniel do? He goes back to his house and prays. In essence, what Daniel is saying, I would much rather die than stop praying. I would much rather be thrown into these lions and have today be my last day of life than to stop praying. 
which for me is a tremendous invitation of commitment. You know, what does it take for me to stop praying? Uh, what does it take for me to skip a day? Lions or lesser things? And what Daniel does is it provides for us a model. You and I may not be in Medo-Persia or in Babylon, but I am in Canton, Michigan, pastoring church. And just because I'm in a church spiritual environment all the time doesn't mean that I should relax. Because I am a pastor, it should be that much more of a necessity for me. So my prayers are beginning to t be affected by the, the these principles in that I need to say to the Lord, give me a thirst for you. Increase my thirst for you, the living God. Because if I don't get satisfied by you, I will go with my thirst somewhere else. And I will be tempted to quench my thirst which that through that, which never will. And sometimes we know that and we still go that route. Daniel decides to be faithful. He prays and sure enough, he gets thrown in the lion's den. The king cannot sleep and he comes the next morning. And this is the verse that I want to read for you. Daniel chapter 6 verse 20. When he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Well, this is the living God. He's not like the idols made of gold, silver, brass, stone, or wood that can neither see nor hear nor walk. This is the living God. And Daniel responds, Yes, God has shut the mouth of the lion. That's powerful. That's the living God. That's the real God. And that's the God that wants you to come and pray with him every day. Talk to him. Talk to him and tell him, I will have really nothing to talk to you about. Begin there. What, do I, what should I talk to you about? I share with you some verses from the Bible. If you're not sure, go to the book of Psalms. Begin to read through the book of Psalms. And then find words, find verses that begin to echo some of the feelings, some of the thoughts, some of the desires, some of the fears that you're undergoing through right now. Sometimes we're joyful. The prayer should not always be when, you know, there's a diagnosis or my job is on the line. Prayer is also for when I'm jubilant, when something positive has happened in my life. How do, how do I express that? Sometimes the Psalms can help us get our bearings of, yes, that's what I want to say. That's how I want to say it. And we begin to learn to borrow and then make those words our own. And the expressions become more and more our own. God will not turn you or I away as hypocrites. When he says, don't be as the hypocrites who stand before the people and pray. He's speaking about individuals that want to stay that way. They like being actors. They like being watched and thought of being something they are really not. They like that. But there are times that hypocrites, just like actors, right? They begin to break down. The pressure of expectations, they're no longer getting jobs. They're no longer as pretty. They're no longer as handsome. They've been replaced by the next hot thing. And they're no longer wanted anymore. And they're husbands. And they begin to feel that I, I thought I was Superman. I thought I was Superwoman. Or I'm, just, I'm not using the literal ones, but you know what I'm trying to say? The, the, the hottest thing, everybody wants me. Everybody's worshiping me. Everybody's looking at me. And when they're not, 
they begin to realize I'm a human being. And sometimes even before that, the, the, the number of actors that destroy themselves through alcohol and drugs and, and self-destructive lifestyle breaks my heart. No human being can receive worship because it, it corrodes us. Because you can only worship someone bigger than you, something bigger than you. Worship by itself entails a higher being, a higher power than me. And when I worship someone identical to me, there's a humongous lie there. Number one, I deceive myself into thinking that person somehow is more than me, when they're not. But conversely, that other person begins to believe they are something more than they really are, when they're not. This actor thing, this hypocrisy thing, it's a inner wounding, inner hurting way of life. It's a hurtful way of life. And so Psalms 139, 23 and 24, it's a wonderful initial, initial prayer to bring to God. You search me. Why am I so adamant with my work? Why am I a workaholic? Why is work my idol? Why, am I, why do I worship this? Is it that I want to be admired by my, my boss, my co-workers? What am I trying to prove? I don't want to be a shallow acting individual that people think I have it all together. Outwardly to think I am um, a professional and I am thorough and I am good. This gentleman uh, who's a multimillionaire flying on a private jet, he's broken. He may have all the homes and all the cars and even a private jet to go to this rehab center because he has wounded and destroyed so many people along the way. So prayer is not simply something we do to make sure that we don't get into an accident when we leave our homes. Prayer begins to allow us to experience relationship, relationship with God that opens the floodgates, that opens the doors in our hearts for us to have a relationship with others. The sequence in the Ten Commandments begins with restoring our relationship with God. Remember, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. The, the restoration of our relationship with God so that we can now be restored into relationship with other human beings. Daniel never forgot he was just a human being. No matter how high up he went, prayer kept him grounded. Prayer kept him real. Prayer prevented him from becoming an actor. And there's no one more fragile than an actor that believes he truly is what he is not. So this, pr this prayer business that, that Jesus is beginning to open into our eyes is an amazing experience of becoming the sons and daughters of God whom he desires us to be. We'll continue this journey of discovering and engaging the other lessons that Jesus has so that when I pray, it's really me, not someone with a mask, not someone with an act, that I can come to God in the reality of who I am, knowing that the living God who sees who I really am loves me with an everlasting love. God bless you, my friend. Look forward to seeing you in our next episode of Devotional as we're focusing on Pray VR. God bless.